All right, we have a great episode of Side Retired, the MLB podcast coming at you guys today. Former big leaguer and now manager of the Staten Island Ferry Hawks, Homer Bush, is going to be joining us today. I know we're all really excited to get this interview going, so let's hit the intro music, Jack, and we will get right into this. Hello and welcome to this edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. It is Dylan joined alongside James and Jack as always. And I'll let you two Yankee fans get into this first because I know you are extremely excited for this interview and episode to get going. But Jack, how are you feeling? Uh, very good. You know, certainly uh, baseball season kind of, you know, we've been kind of dragging along at this point. I know last episode, um, second baseman that you just heard talked about the looming Carlos Correa free agency. In addition, now we have some minor moves with Brett Phillips, um, some various other, you know, um, very um, minor minor ripples across uh, Major League Baseball uh, offseason. So, you know, kind of just getting into the hump, the final stretch, starting to kick before uh, before opening day and interesting catch reporting, spring training. So certainly a long way to go. Um, before then, you know, now we have an invest with us recent year um, news, especially those I believe in the Yankee circle like myself, Heard Homer Bush, member of the dynasty, um, winning his team in franchise history, now a member of a former affiliated Staten Island Yankees, now known as the Ferry Hawks, here to join us. So it should be a very exciting episode here as I retired. And obviously extremely excited to have you on with us today, Mr. Bush, talking about a little bit your playing career, that sort of transition of what it was like to now become a coach. And obviously your latest step in the journey is now becoming the Ferry Hawks head coach or manager. So how are you feeling today? Oh man, it's all all good in the Bush household. Twenty twenty three has gotten up to a fantastic start. <laughs> awesome. Well, James, I'll let you have the first question because I know you're a huge Yankee fan, and James is currently a college baseball player at UTSA, so you probably want to get into a little bit of the playing aspect of things. But James, if you want to kick us off with the first question, yeah, I guess just uh, if you could just describe, you know, what it was like to play in New York, uh, what it was like to be on that '98 Yankees team, and and to go through in October in New York and win a world championship there? You know, I, uh, I tell you, we were, um, you know, that 98 season was, um, was magical in many ways. For one, um, I got to play with a lot of my older brother childhood idols. You know, I remember my brother telling me, man, you got to play like rock rains. You know, you got to hit the ball like straw. And then um, you get drafted, go through the minor leagues, and you find yourself in the big in the major leagues with these guys. So, uh, I mean, it was just like it was it was crazy. My my family couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it either. <laughs> and uh, if you go through the '98 season, uh, you know a lot of great things happened that year. But we were grinding. Um, you know, I know Jeter is uh, you know Hall of Famer. Uh, Bernie, Tino, gonna have fantastic careers. Coney, Straw, Chili, Rock, they were all in the tail end of their careers, but they were superstars at that time, but everyone else was young. So, you know, we were just young guys, a bunch of young guys mixed in with a bunch of veterans just trying to get it. And uh, you, the way it works is you play for at-bats uh, for the next year. So, you know, once you got those at bats, you were trying to be successful. And, 
you know, we, we were, it was a lot tougher than it looked. I mean, 125 wins with the regular season and postseason combined is, is crazy when you think about it. But, uh, you know, it was a lot of hard work. But at the end of the day, and, and I will say it really didn't hit me until almost a decade later. It was like, man, not only did we win the World Series, we won a ton of games, and guys' careers were just, I mean, skyrocketing. I mean, you know, we were teammates, but now some of these guys you can't even get in front of. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot was happening at that time, but as you can imagine, it was definitely a magical season. Um, so you back there, you used the, the terminology like play for at bats. I think now, you know, going from a team that, as you said, won 125 games, now you're taking over a role in which you're uh, managing a non-affiliated team. How do you hope to bring that perspective? Because I, I, I imagine lots of these guys are still trying to, quote unquote, like play for at bats, whether it's trying to crack a minor league, major league roster, you know, continue that dream of playing professional baseball or play major league baseball through the professional circuit. So how do you uh, plan to bring that kind of perspective of like grinding for at bats, get earned that playing time so these guys can like fight their way and get to to the show, quote unquote? Man, Jeff, you're not messing around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, now that's a fantastic question. And I've thought about that a lot. The one thing that um, I can honestly say, and you can track this, uh, you know, once the season get going, I'm going to play players. You know, I, I, if I have uh, scouted you and brought you in, uh, and that's why this is a wonderful opportunity for me uh, because I can build my own roster, I'm going to play you. You know, you, you don't have to be the hottest player. You just have to compete. And that's my job to bring the best out of players as the season go on. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to play my players, you know, whether they uh, believe in themselves or not. I'm going to believe in them because that's what I would have wanted when I was a player. Now, at the same time, I'm not going to allow them to uh, hurt the team uh, or hurt themselves. But like I said, if I brought you in, it's something about you that I really like. And it's my job to pull that out of you. So uh, it's going to be a little bit different atmosphere when I uh, take the helm. And obviously, I think it's sort of one of the cool things is that and it does happen on occasions where it's a player turns into a coach, turns into a manager. And you definitely take that perspective that you had as a player and realize now that you're on the other end of some of those conversations where you're like, wow, now I know what my manager <laughs> felt like and what it was like dealing with all that. So what are some of the things that um, maybe it's your younger self or now as a coach and now you're seeing or maybe looking back in your playing career and it's sort of like, OK, I understand this more sort of having both lenses and both perspectives of regular baseball transactions. Dylan. Oh man. There's a few. Uh, one for sure is uh, who makes the team and who does not make the team that uh, I see now. It was a difficult decision for coaches uh, when I was coming up. Um, that's, that's, that's probably the hardest uh, pinch hitting for players. I hate to pinch hit for players. <laughs> Uh, even when a player is not going well um, late in the games, I um, I prefer that those the at bats that they uh, you know step up for challenge themselves to be better in that situation, um, and uh, pitching decisions when to pull a pitcher, uh, you know who should start, who should be middle relief, who should close. Uh, so I'm going to lean on my pitching coach on the third one, but um, for me. Uh, what I have learned is that make the decision, live with it, and um, just come back tomorrow. If if you have success doing it, 
you continue to do it until it doesn't work anymore. But if you don't have success, give it another time or two before you uh, reverse course. Yeah. Um, I guess I just want to ask, you know, what are you most excited, you know, to man? Like what, like what are you most excited about now that you're the manager uh, of this organization? Like what do you think you're going to have the most fun with and enjoy the most uh, now that you're a manager and no longer on the playing side of your career? Yeah. So, uh, and I know it's a short window, but developing, uh, you know, I know data and science um, uh, is surrounded it's it's surrounded by baseball. Uh, so, you know, I, I plan to bring a little bit of that for the players that's into it, you know, would like to feed them as much as they would, would like. Um, but if, um, if the players are not, hopefully I can, um, you know, teach it to them where it's easy enough for them to understand and they can apply some things. Uh, the other thing that I'm excited about, you know, being the manager is community engagement. You know, I have an opportunity now to hopefully get in front of hundreds, if not, you know, a couple thousand kids uh, and just talk about the game from my my lenses. And that's, you know, not only just through my playing days, but things I've studied, things I've tried, things I've worked on with my own son that uh, just give, you know, just giving them a little success. So um, those are the two things I'm really excited about. And so you like you talked about kind of that I know the we're kind of leaning heavy Yankees, but you had you know a seven year major league career. Um, you know you saw the guys you mentioned previously, Bernie maybe more of a quiet, silent type leader versus Derek Jeter, one of probably considered by several people one of the best leaders and captains in the clubhouse of all time. So you've like been a forefront of several different leadership styles, and you know now you've had you worked with Joe Torre. Uh, an excellent Hall of Fame manager. So how do you think that like is going to conglomerately like come together to the shape like your managerial style and like those different leadership styles that you've seen throughout your playing career? How do you think that's going to diffuse in and how you uh, you navigate and manage this uh, this new clubhouse? You know, Jack, the names you just spoke about, the one thing that all those guys did well was when you looked at them, they said it's going to be all right. You know, they had you know, that that calm demeanor, um, basically we'll get them tomorrow. But the thing is, you have to keep working. You can't give up, can't give in, uh, can't feel uh, bad for yourself. Uh, you know, Jeter was one of my favorite stories about Jeter, and I tell this to my players all the time when I uh, coach. I want to say it was a big name pitcher like Roger Clemens, maybe even Pedro, somebody of that nature. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a donkey out there, right? And Jeter was leading off. I mean, dude, whoever this pitcher was gave him the business on like three straight pitches. <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Jeter comes back to the dugout and he's like, man, this guy has nothing. We're going to crush him. I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm thinking after that, it'd be bad. We might get no hit. <laughs> but that's just the way he was. Um, you know, and a lot of times hitters feel like they do get themselves out, right? So, uh, but that was just in his nature. I'm going to get you the next time. And so, you know, uh, one of my speeches is like, you're looking at this thing, you want to be traveling on a linear trajectory. Now, I'm not saying everything is going to go that way. But when it's going south, don't go this way to try to get back on track. Just stay the course. I mean, you may have to stop, you know, 
reevaluate some things, make an adjustment, but, you know, just keep moving forward. Absolutely. And then I know each clubhouse sort of needs that type, as you just mentioned, a Derek Jeter leader, but just as important, every team needs those like 25th man, their middle reliever and all that sort of fun stuff. And especially now as a manager, you have to construct that roster where you need to find, not sure if you're going to find obviously a Derek Jeter to play for the Ferry Hawks, but sort of finding that roster of who's going to be your star cleanup hitter. Maybe there's a couple of former big leaguers. Maybe there's guys just out of college. So now that you're and obviously, you just started a couple of days ago, this fun process of constructing a roster. But how do you expect that's going to come about? And also, I guess, in the same ilk of finding some coaches who might have some experience as well. I tell you what, there's a talent pool full of both of those uh, categories. So finding coaches and players is the least of my worries. The one the one um, uh, difficult task is just making sure you get the one that's, I would say, perfect, but perfect for your situation, where mm-hmm. uh, you both share some of the same views, you have the same work ethic, uh, and, you know, you, you, want, you want what's best for the, the player. So uh, I would say finding those attributes would be far more complicated than constructing a staff and players. But when you talk about players, man, there are far more guys like me than there were Derek Jeter in this pool. So, man, I got... <laughs> So I got that part of the roster taken care of. Uh, you know, when I think about and I reach out to certain players like I have so far, uh, it's going to be, unfortunately, guys who've been released from affiliated ball, uh, who's probably been out of ball, at, uh, ball for the last 12 months. Um, the MLB Draft League, which I managed in uh, last year, uh, have some talented players that I uh, had to see on a daily basis. Uh, that is um, uh, an option. And then just reaching out to agents and scouts uh, that know if players felt like they didn't get a fair shake or they just need a little bit more seasoning. So, I mean, I have a list of over a thousand players that I'm going through uh, on a daily and just reaching out to players, let them know that, uh, you know, I I would like to either bring the spring training or uh, sign them to a contract. Love to hear that. And then obviously you did also just mention the MLB draft league. And I think that's something that James Jack and I, when we heard that it was happening last year, we thought it was something that was pretty cool, but didn't really know that much about it. So obviously now you are with the Ferry Hawks, but you did used to at least work with the MLB draft. So if you want to say a quick sort of what is that, how it helps out the young players and everything like that. Okay. So it's a, a collegiate season the first 40 games, and then as an additional 40 games, once everyone goes back to their respective uh, universities, uh, for players that want to be paid uh, to get additional games for the owners. Uh, at least that's what we were told. But I, but it's basically two halves. One is um, a college, summer collegiate in the back half. It's for people who uh, exhausted all their eligibility. And, um, but I tell you what, for coaches, I think it's uh, it's – it's an amazing uh, experience. It really helped me out a great deal uh, on the managerial side. Um, you know, to be able to come into a situation where uh, you, you don't have to build the roster, uh, all you're really trying to do is just keep the players level-headed, uh, making sure uh, they don't get down. Because everyone is usually pretty good, you know, at where, you know, where, they, where they're playing, right? But now you're playing against some 
you know, some some better talent. They've come from better divisions. Um, you know, guys have had a, a, a quite deal of success. So uh, you're just basically trying to make sure uh, you keep everything stable and don't let things get off uh, off track. And so uh, you, then you can just focus on just structuring the day, uh, making sure uh, guys are getting plenty of reps. And then you learn how to communicate with players from all over the country, different coasts, uh, guys, you know, guys from the, you know, that's from the West Coast um, have a different way about them than the guys in the South. So, you know, some guys work harder than others. You know, you just try to do the best you can and uh, learn how to deal with everybody as a whole. Of course. And then obviously a lot of player development is a key that you've seen throughout your entire career. We do have this fun little segment that we are kind of developing at the same time here at the end of episodes or toward like towards the end of episodes where we call it the side is retired as the name of the podcast side retired. We're going to throw okay. a couple pitches at you type of thing, rapid fire questions. And we see, and then once you answer those questions, you'll be on your way and you've retired the side and done a great job on the interview. <laughs> if you're all ready to go with that. Let's rock. <laughs> awesome. So obviously you are the first big league player that we've ever had on the podcast. So a big, Thank you for that. And thank you for coming on with us. And we've had a couple of minor leaguers and we asked them the question of who's the toughest pitcher you've ever faced in your career. And usually they'll say some guy in double A who throws like 101 miles an hour now, which we're like, <laughs> could not imagine hitting that. But obviously you are a former big leaguer who has faced the best of the best. So this question definitely is more value when it comes from you. So who is the toughest pitcher you've ever faced? Hideo Nomo, no doubt. Uh, I mean, if you go back and look at my numbers, I mean, they're atrocious. <laughs> I, 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 if you distract me out every at bat, it's darn close. <laughs> and uh, we'll go to number two. I guess the highlight of your uh, your major league career. Do you have one particular moment? I know we focus a lot on '98, but just overall, any kind of instance that uh, really sticks out to you? Yeah, my first big league home run, old Yankee Stadium, ESPN family got to see it. Um, the team was uh, struggling scoring runs, and so uh, it was good for me to hit the home run, gave us lead, and uh, just showing some value. And that would probably be definitely individual highlight. James, you got the third one? Yeah, and our, uh, the third and final question, um, what was it like to play at the old Yankee Stadium? Dude, I tell you, man, it was <laughs> – uh, uh, you know, you could just feel the energy, the passion. Um, you know, I always said that uh, if you play hard for Yankee fans, stay out of trouble, um, sign autographs when they ask you, uh, man, <laughs> and have you just need to have a little success. And, man, they'll remember you forever. And that's literally all I did. And they brought that passion out of you. Uh, there's a base that I stole in the um, ALCS against Cleveland. And whenever I'm not feeling at my best, I'll pop that in and I call that my dig me video, you know, and the, you know, old Yankee stadium uh, it's against the Cleveland Indians right before I had pinch ran Joe Torrey was like, Hey, I want you to go first pitch um, stole the base. The crowd was electric. Uh, they just, and they just made me feel like I could take on the world when I was out there. You know, the other day someone asked if um, if it was pressure for me to win the season. 
And I was thinking to myself, man, no chance. You know, after playing in old Yankee Stadium in the 90s, nah, it's not pressure, it's opportunity. <laughs> Absolutely. So those are our three baseball questions that you've officially retired the side on. We now have three kind of tangential to baseball questions, some fun ones, just so that the new Fairy Hawks fans can get to know you a little bit better on the person side of your game for those questions as well. Okay. Awesome. So obviously the connection, which uh, Mr. Bush and I first found out about is that we both know my high school coach, who he's also known well for a couple of years in George Pizzanti and a lot of our listeners including coach does listen to the podcast so where did you first meet coach and are there any some fun stories that I might not know about him that you've met through across the years with Mr. Pizzanti oh my gosh I'm gonna say and, and, and I remember I've been knowing him for gosh <laughs> oh, oh well over almost a decade I think he came and did a piece uh when I was in Tampa at fantasy camp that's one that's what I'm gonna say I first met George <laughs> awesome um so now i was just kind of curious do you because you talked about your first big league home run so one i was gonna ask do you remember who you hit that off of <laughs> oh my gosh you bro you're not gonna believe it <laughs> so i i said don wanger right and a young man i believe Whiteside from oakland was like hey do you know you who you hit your first home big league home run off of i was like uh yeah don wanger he was like he was like no it was me I was like, <laughs> they put the wrong name on the ball. So that's debatable. I, I don't know. Who. So I'm going to have to go back and watch the video. So I, I'll, I'll tell you, now, I looked it up. Oh, now. no, no. You, oh, I'm sorry. You said home run or base hit? Home run. Oh, it was uh, the knuckleballer from Anaheim. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, you got, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, Steve Sparks. And so, Steve Sparks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the game in which you did it actually ended, ended quite memorably. Do you remember how that ended? Oh, that game? Yes. I want to say Derek Jeter yeah. got a <laughs> base hit to give us the lead. Was yes, that... you, yeah, yeah, Jeter won. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, because uh, when I did hit the home run that gave us the lead, we didn't keep the lead. But I remember <laughs> Jeter being the man that night. But, yes, I vaguely remember it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this... definitely a huge game that night. This is what amazes me, Jack. It's like this is a game from 20 years ago, and you remember it like it's yesterday with all the specific <laughs> details. It's just like that's the game. Angels hit, bang. It's like wow. I may have and I may not have told this story before. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, I just I was on YouTube looking for the stolen base clip, and I just saw the home run, and I mean, you smoked that thing. That ball was <laughs> that was a no doubter off the bat. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, you're right. Hey. I tell you what, James, man, as soon as I hit, I knew it was gone. And I think the, <laughs> the analyst even said something like, oh, he knew it was gone immediately. <laughs> I, I didn't hit many, but when I hit them, it was like, oh, man, that's a different feeling. And obviously, you're going to be bringing that <laughs> swagger to the Fairy Hawks this upcoming season. We definitely appreciate it. We're going to keep watching the Fairy Hawks and make sure to keep our eye on this as it's an exciting journey. Definitely not playing in the old Yankee Stadium, but this is a new type of baseball that you're going to have a lot of fun with this summer. And I'm sure as James, Jack, and I are all in New York throughout the summer, we will try to make our way over to Staten Island and watch a nice Fairy Hawks game this summer. Hey, come through, man. I tell you what, we're going to play an exciting style of baseball. I promise you, man, the ball's going to be moving fast. Bodies are going to be moving fast. And, uh, man, we're going to be we're going to be well prepared each game. So if you get a chance, come on out and check us out. 
Love to hear it. Well, Jack, James, unless there's anything else you guys want to throw in here at the end, really extremely excited to have you on with us. Our first big leaguer. Look at that, Jack. We've made it. We finally had a guy who <laughs> stepped on the major league field instead of us just talking about the big leagues, someone who's actually experienced it. And maybe if side retired was around 20 years ago, we would have been talking about that big <laughs> home run and that big rally <laughs> against the angels. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, it's it's awesome me. to have a big leaguer on and, especially finally have a Yankee on. So Yankee fan, Yankee player, someone who supports the Yankees, you know, Dylan seems to always get a lot of Mets people on. So it's nice to finally have you. <laughs> Thanks for that, guys. Thank you so uh-huh. much. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeatGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeatGeek.com and use promo code SIDERETIREDPOD in all capitals for $20 off your first order. We've got you covered from all things ranging from sporting events to concerts, including the NFL and NHL. Yes, this means we're officially taking you out to the ballgame. And now for the rest of today's edition of Side Retired Podcast. Well, Jack, a great episode with Homer Bush talking about his Yankee career, as well as his time with the Staten Island Ferry Hawks, which seems like an exciting journey for him to come this year. Your thoughts on the interview? I oh, Definitely a lot of fun, a lot of history there. We had a really good time, you know. Looked on a former big leaguer, so you could say that. Hopefully now, you know, talk, he talked about a, a linear trend during the episode. Hopefully that's uh, in store for us and the listeners. We've got more and more guests with the uh, big league experience. So definitely a first step, big step for us, and uh, certainly a memorable one. That was uh, one of my favorite interviews we've done here. And a great interview. Had a blast. Of course, we'll be back with more episodes later on in the week. Thank you so much to Mr. Bush for joining us. And until the next time, the side is retired.